Brothers and sisters, Pastor Jason here. So glad to be back with you on this episode. I took a week off working on some stuff down at the church, some audiovisual stuff, but I'm glad to be back with you here today. And I thought in this trying time, there would be something that would be appropriate to talk to you about, which was in my daily devotion. And the topic, if I were going to choose a topic, it would be the topic, the invitation. And it's so important because I think in these trying times, in this epidemic of what is happening, there's many people that shut in. Uh, you know, they've asked people not to go out unless they're working or part of essential services to stay home unless they need something. And to kind of shelter in place is now the term they're using. And the social distancing thing, most places around the country, you're not supposed to gather unless it's 10 or less people. And I thought it would be a great time to talk about the invitation. And that's what Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 55. Remember what Isaiah has been talking about. He's talking about the coming of the Messiah. And he's speaking just a chapter or two ago. He spoke about Christ bearing our transgressions. He was acquainted with grief and sorrows, but he bore our sins. And he's, he's talking about Christ and him coming on the scene. And he gets to chapter 55. And I'm going to deal with one to two verses today. And he talks about uh, in Isaiah chapter 55, he says, ho, he says, or that's another word for stop or listen up, get ready. And he says, everyone that thirsteth. And so the invitation of Christ and the invitation that Christ gives all humanity, he's getting ready to set up what this invitation looks like. That's Christians. That's our call. That's what we're to share with the lost and dying world. That's our, uh, he, that's the way he's telling us and telling the people of God to, hey, listen up, everyone that thirsts. So this invitation, though I like to say this, it's a universal call from God that he wishes that all should come to him and that none should perish. But on this invitation, remember, the people to receive the invitation of Christ and his grace and his mercy and everything that's found at salvation, the cleansing of sin, is it goes out to those who are thirsty. Why do I say that first? Because we must be hungry or thirsty, in other words, for the God of heaven to be able to come in. And the Bible says to sup with us and sit with us, you know. In Psalm 81, it says, I am the Lord God, which brought thee out of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. What was Egypt? Egypt was a type of the world. What is the world? The world, the hustle, the bustle, the struggle, the, uh, you know, trying to get to the top to get over my brother or my sister as fast as I can, climbing to the top of the mountain, no matter who I hurt or what I do or what it seems like, you know, getting the best for me. You know, I am the number one and no one else matters. This idea, this whole world system. So they come out of this world system under the bondage of of the under the bondage of Egypt, under the bond of, bondage of Pharaoh, you know, for several hundred years they were in bondage, and when they come out of the of Egypt, if they will, or come out of the world, that's what it symbolizes for us. He says, "Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it." Now I'm tell I know there's people that get saved at a young age that don't really understand. They're and by the grace of God, they're saved, and they've never experienced the things of the world, and and that's so true. But when we 
want to be filled with the grace of God, we have to know that it comes by no place other than God. That's why he says, come into me, you know, bid the little children to come and invite them because children don't understand the depths of sin. They haven't tasted of the sin and gotten temporal satisfactions yet. So I do believe people are saved at a young age, but when they come, to this doctrine of grace. You know, we have to know that God says, open your mouth up wide. And it's so important that we are to be in a position of thirst. You know, when I got saved, I was in a position of a thirsty soul. I knew I had been, I was 29 years old. I had been through the things of the world and realized there was no true satisfaction in them. And when I came to Christ, I had to humble myself and open my mouth and receive from Christ. And this is so important that we must thirst. Remember what he said to the woman at well. He said, if you would have asked me, he said, I would have given you of water. He said, and she, she, she asked him, she said, would you like for me to get you water? And he said, if you would have asked of me, I would have given you water that you would have never thirsted again. See, he's speaking of that spiritual life, of that Holy Spirit, of the love, the joy, the peace, the things that come from salvation. That's what Christ was speaking to. And that this here in chapter 55, that's what Isaiah is starting to speak of. Oh, with everyone in third. Listen up to you who are thirsty, he's saying. And what's he invite us to? What's what's he inviting us to? He says, come you unto the waters. This is still Isaiah 55, the first part. Come into the waters. John 7, 37 says, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So it's an invitation to the waters. It's invitation. Remember what the psalmist said also, come and take of the water of life freely. Listen, this is an invitation to a watering source. This is not, you know, this isn't this gospel, this salvation, this invitation. This invitation is not to a to a mud puddle, if you will. It's not just to a little cleansing or water that you splash on your face, but it's an invitation to a way of life. It's a tributary connected to a river, connected to a live stream, connected to an ocean of life, of grace and godliness. It's, it's what it is. I think sometimes people are so dissatisfied in God because they think I'm going to splash a little of God on once a week and that's going to be good enough. My friends, it is not just that we're to splash this. It's an invitation to come into the waters, this this abyss, if you will, of, of things that God has prepared for us. It's an invitation unto the water of life. And the invitation, he says, is to come and to buy in Isaiah 55, come and to buy the waters. So it's not an invitation that we're to come and to, you know, just sit down. We're not just to come and just relax, but he says, come and buy. Listen, Christ has the greatest bargain. Listen, this is the blue blue light. This is better than any blue light special you've ever been to. This is better than any cell you've ever seen on your favorite technology device. This is better than anything you've had. This is better than day-old donuts, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you that this is an invitation to something special. He says, come. An invitation to what? An invitation to come, to eat. You know, there's one thing to buy something. You know, I've got stuff that I bought that's sitting out in my garage I've never used. I've never used it. I got clothes in my closet that I've bought that I've never worn. But this gospel message, this grace message that Christ offers us, this is to be eaten, to be consumed. I'm afraid there's some people that are talking about a God that they've never consumed. 
They're talking about a way of life that they've never, listen, the, you know, I've heard this said before, you know, that the church is full of lost people. And that's true. They come to get their field to say, I've done a good job. I've been to church. No one's going to church much anymore. It's all online. But they come and listen to a sermon on Facebook or whatever you do to pat themselves on the back and say, I've done something. Listen, friends, this isn't something that we just go and do. This is something we consume. The gospel message has infiltrated my life and those around me to a place to where I consume it. It's one thing to make the food. It's one thing to produce the beef. It's another thing to eat the beef that you produce, if you will. Listen, I'm telling you that God is inviting us to eat of the tree of life. You know, I've tasted and seen that the Lord's good, the scripture says. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand on the latter day. I know that Christ is coming because I've eaten, I've drank, I've filled myself with the things of God. You know, whenever I just make a decision to go out and eat, uh, I like to eat uh, dessert. You know, I'll eat my dessert first a lot of times. They'll say, do you want an appetizer? Yeah, I'll take a dessert. And they say, really? Now? Yeah, I do. I like to eat my dessert first. But I'll tell you what, if I eat my dessert first, there, there's many times we went and at, at, at a banquet or something. The dessert sits there, and it takes a while for the salad to get out. We have a banquet every year at our church and with the bank that we do business with, and they always set the dessert out there, and, and we got to wait on a salad, so I'll just slide that dessert over and pray, and then I'll just go to eating my dessert, and people kind of look at me strange. I said, I like to eat it first. You know, I, that's just the way I do. I, I like to get my sweet. I don't like to have to wait on my dessert. But I'll tell you what, if I eat too much dessert and too many appetizers, I'm not hungry for the main meal. And I think as sometimes in the gospel of grace, the presence of God, it doesn't come easy. But we can't fill up. We can't just fill up. What I mean about it doesn't come easy. I said I sat last night for an hour from wanting and I prayed and asked for the presence of God. And I sat there and didn't feel the presence of God. Listen, but I couldn't just go fill up on something else. I couldn't just go do something else. I had to wait. I felt like that it was time that I sit and wait for that still small voice. And I do feel like I got a word from the Lord. But my point is we're filling up on everything but the things of God. We do a lot of great things. And I mean, there's a lot of good things we do, but we can even fill ourselves, fill our lives up with so much good stuff. We forget that we have to eat the things of God. We have to consume the scriptures. We need to set a time aside for prayer and meditation. We need to set a time aside. And that's what he's saying, you know, to buy these things, to be able to, you know, eat these things, devour these things, live this gospel message. You know, it's important whenever we give an invitation to what? He says, then he says in Isaiah 55, he says, come. He said, come into the waters. He that hath no money. See, we can't purchase anything. He's purchased it with his blood. But he says, come and buy and eat and come buy the wine, the milk without money and without price. See, it's an invitation. He says the milk. What's that a picture of? Babies drink milk. You know, adults drink milk too. I like almond milk. I've been drinking that since I've been on this keto deal. But I drink almond milk. I like it with the vanilla in it. You know, I didn't like it at first. It was an acquired taste. I wouldn't go buy some expecting some great taste, but I've acquired a taste for almond milk with vanilla in it. I can feed that to my grandchild, to my grandsons or my granddaughter. I can feed that to them and it's okay. But So it's, it's, it's important 
important to understand, no matter when your decision was made for Christ, if it's maybe the first time you're hearing the gospel message, that God will allow you to eat the same as someone that's been saved for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, someone that's young in the Lord. Remember what I said. Christ said, do not do not bid the children not to come, but let them come unto me. It doesn't matter how young of our faith, but he invites you to this invitation to drink and to eat of the things of God, no matter how young you are in your faith. So the milk stands for something that was young. Back in the biblical times, milk was also a delicacy, is they would have goats. They would have them there for milk, and they would milk those goats, and they would uh, share that with one another. It was a delicacy to be able to have that kind of milk. Now, that's not a delicacy. J. Vernon McGee said that he would like to partake of, and I'd have to agree. But back in the biblical days, when you had when you had milk, it was a delicacy. It was something special to have. And I think that God sometimes gives us milk to eat as babes in Christ, but he also gives us a delicacy here and there. You know, Paul said that I wish that you would understand the, the manifold grace of God, the many graces of God. You know, sometimes God drops in our lap something special, a special sermon, a special message, a special song, you know, a special presence that we feel that we haven't felt before. You know, it can be a delicacy as well. But then he talks about the wine and he says, come when you buy, buy the milk, buy the wine, use my blood that I purchased this for and accept it by faith. That's how we get it. We accept it by faith. Listen, you'll never convince me that it was 40% wine. You'll never convince me. How come? Because history. First of all, if you study any history, you'll see that most of the wine was 20 to 1, 8 to 1, 2 to 1, or 3 to 1. So 20 parts water and 1 part wine, or 8 parts water and 1 part wine. And a lot of their wine was between 5 and 10% alcohol anyway. So you had to drink gallons of it to be able to at all feel any kind of difference in it, for, to be able to have any, any even a shade of a buzz, if you will, you'd have had to drink gallons and gallons of it. His, I think one of the greatest uh, ways I've seen this explained is on Assembly of God's website. And I thought they did a wonderful job. Just look up Assembly of God and their position on drinking alcohol, and it'll give you a big a history of the Greeks. They thought it was barbaric to be able to even drink wine. This isn't that kind of wine. Paul, remember what Paul said? He said, have a little wine for the stomach's sakes. He didn't say drink gallons of wine. He didn't say drink strong wine, but he said, have a little wine. So they'd take a little wine, they'd put it in their water. It would work as a, as a, disinfectant, if you will, or would even help. They believe back then they weren't, you know, I've heard people say, well, it doesn't even help. Well, they didn't know back then, but you were to have a little wine. If there was bad water, they were to have a little wine, not a lot of wine, not for drunken purposes, but, but you know, it was mudis- It was used for medicinal purposes. You know, that's why it says when, whenever you're sick and you're afflicted, I never tell people that are sick or they're in the hospital, they shouldn't take medicine. I mean, that's what God allowed us medicine and doctors to give us. And oh, have we ever had a time that we needed the medicine for our souls? Oh, we have a sin sick soul. You know, how many of us out there are hurting and that have struggles and we're going on with life's problems because we're sick. We need to take of the wine of the gospel of grace. We need to take of not the wine that makes us drunk, but the wine that comes from the river of life, the wine that 
comes from being in God's kingdom and being heirs and sons and daughters of Christ. Listen, whenever I got saved, I had a bitterness in my soul it was caused by sin and the life I lived. And I accepted Christ and took of the wine. I took of the milk and he forgave me of my sin and it changed my life forever. Friends, it will do the same for you. If you take the medicinal purposes of the power of the Holy Spirit and you use them for what he's called us to use them for, which is to a life of godliness, he will heal your soul. You'll never convince me he's not enough. You know, last night I was having a conversation with God and I told God, I said, you're enough. If I have nothing else, you're enough. God, you are a mighty God. You are more than able to do it seemingly abundantly above all that I think or ask. God, you are enough. And I worshiped God in my prayer time, in my talking time to God, and told him this morning, God, you're enough. Listen, he's enough for the sin-sick soul. He's enough for the Christian that's been serving him for 15, 20, 30 years. And he's enough for the person today that comes to him and says, I want to be right with God. I want to take of this water. He is enough. So how do we buy it? As I spoke of before, he bought it with his blood. We can't buy it with money. It doesn't matter if you have a safe full of gold. I doubt you do. But it doesn't matter if you have a bank full of money, which I doubt you do. But it doesn't matter how much you're ready to give. It's not going to be bought with that kind of thing. It's going to be bought with faith in Christ and the work he did on the cross. See, Isaiah 55, Isaiah was looking forward to the work being done at the cross. And today on the 30th, 31st of March. Listen, it's not going to be bought with things that come from the bank, but it's going to be bought looking back at the cross. Isaiah looked forward to the cross. We look back at the cross. And so whenever I feel empty, whenever I feel hungry of the spiritual food, I have to look back to the cross and say, God, you bought it with your blood. And by faith in you buying that, when you died on that cross with faith that I have, that you paid the ultimate price, I receive this grace that comes from only you, God, that came through your son, Jesus. It's priceless. You know, gold has no value. I don't even know what it is an ounce now, $1,100, $1,200 an ounce. I mean, it's way up there. Last I looked and it may have fallen like everything else, but listen, gold has no value. Diamonds are nothing. Diamonds are pretty high now. You know, gold's uh, very was very expensive at the at the fall of this economy, and I heard that it went back up last I heard. And diamonds are expensive, but diamonds are dirt in the kingdom of God. Oil is that well? Oil has no value now anyway. But even oil and cooking oil and those back in those days, oil was priceless. It has no value. There's no value. God says, the only way you'll come is through me. There's a wide way that leads to destruction, the scripture says, but the narrow way leads to eternal life. It's not a, it's not, a, I know it sounds uh, ancient. I know that it sounds old, but there's one way. It's the road that leads to the cross that allows us to be able to purchase anything, anything for our sin-sick souls, anything for our discouraged souls. You know what? The scripture says, be not weary and well-doing. Christian friends and brothers and sisters, if you seem to be weary and well-doing, I encourage you to get to the cross. Accept the grace of God for free and say, God, you are enough. I have nothing to buy it. But God, because you did it for me, God, I receive what you did for me. 
And listen, sometimes he'll drop a little nugget of energy along our path to where we can make it to where our weary souls, I've had it happen in my personal life to where my soul is weary, but God fills me up with his things, with his joy, with his energy, with an anointing that I'd never had before. It takes the anointing of God to be able to serve him, to be able to minister, to be able to worship him. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought I would add this in. You know, we have to, as Christian people, remember when we come to this gospel of grace, we started on our knees, it ends on our knees. But hear me, friends, when we're in this battle, there is times we have to steal away. There's times we have to remove ourselves from the hustle and bustle. Right now, I'm on a four-hour phone fast. Now, I know that don't sound like much, but I said, I'm going to shut it off. It hadn't been shut off, but just for about an hour, one hour of all last week. And I mean, the phone calls, they start in the morning and sometimes we hours at night, not every day, but they started early this morning. But I am, I'm saying I'm separating myself from that. I'm going to do the things of God. I'm going to get into my scripture, but we have to steal away. If we're ever going to feed anyone else. We have to get to the cross. We have to get to this river of life. We have to get to this endless stream of life and of water, and we have to fill up because this journey takes us eating to be able to feed. Think about it. When grandpa used to go out and do his work, I remember he'd get up on Saturday or Sunday morning. He'd go out to do chores on the farm or to work the fields. One of the first things he'd do is eat breakfast. Now, it might just be a honey bun, which isn't too good for you, I know. But he'd sit down and have a glass of milk and a honey bun so he could have energy for the day. If we're going to have energy in the kingdom of God, we have to be able to receive from the master's table. We have nothing to give outside of this. This is what the grace of God will, like I said, it's priceless to be able to spend time with the master in his word and on our knees and in prayer and meditation. And by the way, let me add this lately. I've been having to get back to where I just sit in silence and I wait on the voice of God to speak to me. And I, and sometimes I don't hear anything, but I sit there and I say, God, I'll wait. If you want to talk to me, I'm here. You know, for this invitation, as I close, I got to thinking, there'll never be another offer like this. You can find it, you can look for it, you can try to obtain it, but there'll never be another offer as this. It's priceless. This gospel message that stood in Isaiah's time, that stands... 4,000 years later, if you will, 3,000 to 4,000 years later, this gospel message is just as priceless as it was in Isaiah's day. Isaiah's pleading to his people. He's asking his people, and then let's look at verse 2 and I'll be done. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? He said, why do you keep spending your money on the things that don't even feed you? And why do you labor for which things that satisfy you not? You know you're not being satisfied on them things. He says, hearken diligent unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me, and hear and let your soul live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sheer mercies of David. David was chief sinners, some people say. Paul said, I was chief sinner. But David knew what it was like to make a mistake and fall on his face. The scripture says a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. David knew what it was like to receive the grace of God. David made a lot of trips down that river bank to the river of life. And I'll tell you this, friends, I've made a lot of trips. 
I've walked down to the river of life, humble, broken, discouraged many times. I say, God, I don't have anything to give you, but God, would you give me something today? And I'm telling you without fail, when I'm humble and I'm broken, God fills me back up. He feeds me with the milk, with the wine, with the bread. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.